0: Hey, I'm Asia Clark, and you're listening to Day One FM. For Women's History Month, we hosted a panel leading female creatives to talk navigating traditionally male-dominated spaces from sports marketing to Web3. You're not going to want to miss this. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to today's panel on female creatives in navigating traditionally male dominated spaces. I'm so excited to introduce three truly awesome women killing it on their respective industries. To start with, we have Christine Chow. Christine is a director and photographer who tells stories that inject color and magic into ordinary circumstances. She's created visually amazing stories for brands such as Bindery and American Express. Next, we have Kristen Kuzinko. Kristen leads the liminal collective charge for media content and community and has abundance of experience in brand marketing, creative, and strategy work. And last but not least, we have Chelsea LaSalle. Chelsea is a San Francisco-based brand and community strategist specializing in Web3 content. Previously, she led the brand design at Acorns Soccer Life and Freelance for D1A. So with all those intros out of the way, I wanna turn it over to our speakers to tell us a little bit more about their career paths. Um, how did you get to the current point in your careers and what is the most rewarding moments you've had so far? So Christine, we'll start with you.
1: Awesome, thanks Nisha. Hey everyone, excited to be here and be part of this panel. Uh, happy Women's History Month. Uh, like you said, my name is Christine. I'm a director and photographer. Um, I'm calling you from New York here. I work a lot between New York and LA. Um, and yeah, I've been at Bindery, uh, partner with Day One for about eight years now. Uh, so has been such fun collaborating with the Day One team. Uh, yeah, but for me, my career, I've been in the film media world this entire time, just at different capacities and scales. that's led me to directing. Um, I went to school in upstate New York, um, Ithaca College, uh, where I studied marketing and advertising, and I kind of always had the side hobby of uh, photo and film and then so about 10 years ago I started working kind of in the larger blockbuster film sets realized that wasn't like the career path I wanted and found this like nice little niche uh, where my intersections of like uh, passion for film and also brand came together uh, where I started working in-house producing content for uh, a wellness agency and then Birchbox Um, and then 2014 relationship with Bindery began, uh, where I started off as an associate producer and then began to direct and uh, photograph. And it's just been so much fun, always such a joy to do uh, this job. And I guess in terms of what's most rewarding, it's a little hard for me to find just like one or even a few most rewarding moments. I think the biggest prize in being able to do a job that I love is getting to experience all the little tiny moments in between that like gets me where I am now. and it's something that's really rewarding about being in a visual field is being able to like sit and look at like what is something like five years ago versus something now and there's like tangible growth. Um, that you can see there. It's something I'm very intentional about doing like a couple times a year is just like looking at the work um, and being able to feel that it's so hard to do that when you're in it um, and kind of define and see the development, but uh, I think that's something that's incredibly rewarding for me is to be intentionally set aside time to look at that um, and to continue to see the growth. It encourages me to see where I came from and also just encourages me and motivates me to uh, really lean into those small moments into like the mundane, boring, uh, knowing that it's like for my good. And yeah, it's teaching me a lot. So not quite a one singular rewarding moment, but but something that I kind of come back to time and time again.
0: Awesome, I definitely feel that. I always do that with my my work as well, so. Definitely got you. Um, And then Kristen, what is your rewarding moment and career path?
2: Yeah. Hi, everyone. Uh, I spent the better part of my career at Nike um, on both brand and agency side. Uh, Most recently working on the Olympics, of course, didn't happen. Um, I kind of stumbled upon day one from Micah. What's up, Micah? And yeah, I am now, uh, working at an incubator kind of research and development brand called liminal collective, where we kind of build out and focus on variety of verticals through human performance. So my intersection obviously comes from like advertising and brand, uh, meets kind of sport world. So my passion of sport, you know, I'm a cyclist, I'm a runner, um, I would say, my most like proud moment, uh, having a COVID little baby of a retail space that I opened up in California where we are trying to cultivate community, um, expand cycling beyond the actual bike and really bring in like diversity. There's not a lot of women in sport. Um, And so we kind of created this space as a way to challenge brands uh, to offer more sport to women and women identifying athletes. we, everything we have in there is 50-50, so if we will only bring in brands that make equal amount of clothing for women. Uh, same with events, um, and our programming is really developed around um, mentorship, advocacy, uh, and, and product for women. So I would say like that's been a challenging couple eight months, but uh, you know it's been a really rewarding way to kind of give back to the communities that I've been a part of. Oh.
0: Congratulations. Thanks. Um, And then Chelsea, what is your rewarding moment in career path? Of course I'm muted. Hey guys,
3: Um, nice to meet you all. My trajectory has been anything but the norm. So back, let's say 2011, um, I actually started in design and moved to San Francisco and started working for Everlane. I was their third employee. Um, and that was kind of like my foray into the design world, and I actually got sick of design and wanted to do something else. And because I was working in fashion, I started fashion blogging and beauty blogging. And I actually ran this blog for five years, and I was getting hundred thousand page views month, and and it was this like beautiful like love child of mine that was like between you know branding and marketing and learning how to use Instagram for this thing before it was used how it is now. Um, and then after five years of that, I was like, I kind of want something new, so let's go back to my roots, which is design. Um, so I came back into the design world. I started working for consumer packaged goods, doing a lot of like brand, creative, creative design, creative strategy direction, art direction, and um started working for Sakara Life, which is a really big meal delivery company based in New York City. They're pretty highly well known. And so I ran all of their brand design and did all of their photography and again, wanted to do something else. So I got into fintech and I was able to work for one of my good friends at Acorns and he was running brand design at the time. And I came in knowing nothing about finances or anything about this world, Um, kind of especially as a woman because we're not taught these things. We're just not. So this is something I wanted to like come in and hardest and figure it out. So I got to build out this brand design team and work really closely with the product design director and the VP. And I worked there for two years managing a team. And during the pandemic, I left um, and I started working for a, a mental health startup during that time. And in between it, crypto and Web3 kept coming up in my like just my orbit. And my mentor is a guy named Ben Perot. He started this website called Supply many moons ago, and he got me into the Web3 world. And um, I started freelancing and kind of learning about crypto and cryptocurrency and like what this new world was going to be. And I, again, just find my, I felt I felt myself falling into it. And design started to be less of my passion and it was more about brand and creative and community building kind of back to my roots of blogging, building these communities and getting like all of these cool creators together. And, in February, it kind of all came to fruition. And since then I've been building communities and doing brand strategy for a bunch of different big NFT collections. And I'm, I'm kind of doing big partnerships between them and doing collaborations between artists and facilitating just like straight up art, like back to like nineties where we're all just trying to be artists and it's fun again. And we're excited about the internet. And so yeah, now I work in web three just doing straight up creative strategy and, and community building and it's amazing.
0: okay, so next question uh tell us about a challenge you face as woman or woman identifying person and or b i p o c um and how have you navigated that um any particular lessons you've learned that you would tell other women in your career or um or even your younger self
3: i ha- i can go um I think one of the things is one of the reasons why I switched from design to blogging so quickly and back from design to this now is I kept diminishing what I thought my power was based on what everybody else was doing and what I thought success was. And a lot of that was based on like, I was like, how can I be as cool as like, how can I get to this level as this male that I'm working with? How can I be there? How far can I go? And a lot of doing that was like more climbing the ladder than like harnessing my own powers. And once I took a step back and realized that I don't need to do that and that I can be who I am and be as successful and also use my voice instead of trying to use theirs for myself, um, that was like the moment where I was like, okay, cool. So just don't diminish your voice. And if you really feel like you have something to say, do it because people will listen.
1: That's awesome. Like same kind of being there. I think uh, for me as a Chinese American, um, Having to navigate a lot of like internal insecurity about just like not apologizing for the space that I take up or uh believing like at my core that my presence itself is an intrusion. So I don't want to speak for all Chinese people, but I think that's there's something definitely culturally ingrained there um, that those lies are true and you're taught those things. Um and like the way to be right with uh the world and others is to like stay out of the way and not speak up. Um, but then you add like the whole other layer of being a female to it and that just like Multiplies that by 10, that uh, feeling. Yeah, stay out of the way, don't be an intrusion. Um, and so it makes for me being put in the role of like a director photographer who's like leading the charge in a very interesting place when you're intersecting those kind of feelings. Um, it's kind of like a pressure cooker, right? These opposing ideas. And I think, uh, you know, I look back and I, I see all the times I didn't speak up or I didn't believe an idea simply because it was mine. Um, or uh, yeah, just made decisions out of fear. Um, and the problem with some of these things it's like not always internal too you, cuz you can believe these things but you sometimes have people actually affirm them to you uh in small ways whether overtly or not um, but i'm like looking back there's like a lot to impact there so like the short way saying is just like i'm glad to have gotten the opportunity to work through all those things and to be able to have the opportunity to like do the wrong things, um, and to be able to take many steps towards finding confidence, uh, which really just came with experience, too, and being intentional, um, kind of looking around me, seeing what I've been entrusted with, and being like, if these things are true, then you know, the, the logic doesn't follow. If um, you're in the way, and your ideas are not good, but you're being entrusted with these things, and um, yeah, that's why I also say it's so great to look at the work right that you do, and to be able to it's like holding a mirror up to yourself when you pour so much into it, you can kind of see. Exactly where your fingerprints are, and then you also see where your fingerprints aren't, where you maybe have let up a little bit um, and to uh, know not to do that the next time. Um, and yeah, ultimately that like, allowed me to just be more creative and confident, put my foot down and uh, believe in what the idea may be. Um, in the same vein, it also allowed me to be like, so much better of a collaborator uh, when I'm not being threatened by somebody's Ideas or understanding, uh, like how beautiful it is to put like heads together. uh, That that's definitely been a huge reward, and it's something I just really wish I knew. uh, That those things aren't true. um, That yeah, my presence is not an intrusion. I don't have to apologize for it. And uh, yeah, it just changes the lens in which I approach my work. I'm not asking uh, what can I do to not be in the way, but instead, I'm like finding confidence and creative discernment and allowing myself to like even incite inconveniences if it means that it's a better result in the end and to believe in that.
2: Yeah, I would say similar things. Um, Every female has experienced challenges like in whatever work, uh, one form or not, whether it was intentional or not. And I think the biggest challenge I think for me is being able to stand up for myself and confronting the problem or the person Um, and feeling like I have a seat at the table in a very male dominated world. Um, I would say like three major things is like one, first and foremost, know yourself, know your value, what your craft is, um, and what you bring to the team. Um, and then two being communication, being able to like articulate that and communicate that to your team and be the advocate for yourself. No one else is going to fight for you. Um, and then that kind of goes into, cancer culture is real. Um, we're in like a space where it's so easy to cancel people, um, without giving them the opportunity to have the hard conversations. So being able to develop the communication skills to say, Hey, like this isn't okay and help people work through that path. um, instead of just kind of cutting them out and be like, sometimes it's unintentional. Sometimes we've, we're living in a world where these behaviors are ingrained, not only in people, but in process. So we need to be yes, the advocates for ourselves, but also help create change and help guide people uh, and have those hard conversations.
0: Awesome. Um, so have, has there been a moment in your career that you've had to um, speak up or stand up for your point of view um, as a woman or person of color? Um, and then how was that received? We can start with
1: Christine for this one. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think hard for this, and, and there's for sure some moments, but I, I think in general, just reflecting on this question allowed me to be like, very thankful for the journey I've had so far, where I started off um, at an agency and then like at Birchbox, where it's very like women-centered, women-led, and then um, coming over here to Bindery, uh, just kind of seeing how, in so many instances, there's like a culture and a pattern in which Good decisions are being made high up and very early on to kind of prevent a disconnect between who the work is being made for and who is in charge of telling the story. Um, I think that's just been massive um, in us being able to like facilitate good storytelling. It's it's not only about like the integrity of the process, which is which is crucial, but it also makes for better work. It's a win-win. And um, and in those instances where I've had like weird things said to me or I've had to speak up, I'm thankful that it's been received in the long term. Uh yeah, just with humility. Um, and I I see that growth and I see that sense of trying, um, and feel very supported within that. Um, definitely like lots of small instances here and there, um, and all can do better, but in general, I'm like thankful that with it, it's being met with, yeah, that humility to say, yeah, let's, let's figure out how to change things.
2: I would say a really interesting one, um, that comes up a lot in both my, like, side hustle. in my current job is around data and insights. Um, it's so easy to be like, well, the data is telling me like women are not interested, or the data is telling me that women are not engaged, or the data is telling me that, you know, whatever it is. And it's, well, that's because there isn't a space created for women. For example, at the store, it's, Hey, we are 50, 50, no matter what, in the product we bring in. And it's like, well, we sell through men's product a lot quicker than women's. And it's like, well, yep, that's because there's more men on bikes. We haven't done a good enough job, whether that's through our marketing efforts or creating a space where women feel safe. So I think like it's hard to fight against data when it's right there in your face, whether it is kind of like that emotional connection or like what's right versus what's wrong. So um, I feel like that's been a really challenging one to navigate at least for me uh, the past couple of years.
3: Um, yeah, I guess for me, I definitely have, I think a woman working in fintech to start has been, it was always hard. And, um, I definitely, there were so many moments when I spoke up, when I maybe decided I shouldn't have, or maybe I should just like we were talking about earlier, kind of diminish my voice. But the more that I spoke up, the m- the more that I felt like I was doing the right thing. And there were a lot of times during my career with many companies where, um i had to leave because there were just times that i that was how much i was standing up for myself for the people that i was working with working for and i think that's just the type of person that i am and which is why i've gravitated towards web3 in this stage of my life is because a beautiful thing that started to happen is that web3 gender doesn't matter so nobody's thinking about that everybody's thinking about what you can bring to the table and what you have, and, like, who you are as a person, and it's less about, like, what you identify as, and what you do, and, like, like what you bring, and I think, so, I guess, for me, it's, like, yeah, I've had to speak up a lot in my life, which has brought me to where I am, where I don't feel like I have to anymore, and I have the respect that I feel like I've always wanted, and people look at me as an equal, no matter age, race, anything, identity, and that's been such a beautiful thing, where I don't I, now I feel like I'm at a point in my life where I'm so privileged because I don't have to fight for it anymore. And I think that's just the lay of the land of Web3 and crypto and this you know, metaverse, which I could talk more to. But um, it's been really special to just be able to say what I need to say and to be heard as I've always wanted to. So, yeah, I've definitely had those moments. But now I know because of those what I deserve and the platform that I deserve to have as a woman in design and tech and everywhere. So, yeah.
0: So, like, as you guys reached your point in your careers, where you guys feel like you were making moves or making changes in your, um, in where you work, uh, do you feel that the industry has changed over the past few years, um, or it's more equitable for women, or do you see it being the same in the fact that you guys are in really male-dominated careers?
3: I can't speak to what I'm doing and I can't speak to anything else, but I would say for Web3, it is changing the lay of the land for kind of everything. It is a space where there are all of these new like female artists who are just like coming into this platform and, and like selling these like giant NFT collections that are like making money and changing communities and changing people's lives and bringing so much to the internet. I think, you know, one of the, um, one of the collections that I'm working with right now, Galverse is if it's a friend of mine, Emmy, her name is Emmy. She's been working in um, Japan. She lives there. And her best friend is this incredible illustrator. And she doesn't speak any Japanese, but she speaks through her art. And so Emmy is kind of like the forefront for this project. And Akaya gets to show her art and share her art and share her love of she wants to share with the world without even needing to speak to anybody and this is the type of collection that is resonating with not only women but everybody else in the space and it's kind of beautiful to see any type of gender any type of person like rep a female profile photo just because they love the art so i think in web3 it is changing and i think like women are starting to be more recognized for the things they can bring to the table, whether that's art, strategy, marketing, kind of literally everything. And I think it's it's really cool. And I think that's not going to stop happening. And I think it's going to start to set a precedence for the rest of tech in general.
2: Yeah, I would say I'm um, in two industries that are changing, just not quick enough. Obviously, advertising um is like a very male dominated world women at the top are few and far between um yes it is changing then of course sport um I think what's really interesting of course you can lead with like hiring more women whether that be whether creatives if you're doing female campaigns or leadership at the top but I also think things that I think about a lot as a business owner and marketer is around um products advocacy mentorship process and I think like all of those things need to work in tandem in order for there to create change. Um, If you look at Adidas, for example, they're starting with product and creating, you know, bras across the table for all women, but they also just launched a new safe running campaign and they're recognizing issues specific to women um, in extracurricular sports. So creating a program for women to be able to feel like they can be safe when running at night. Um, You know, there are, you know, programs out there from Stanford now to, to help with the gender bias and, you know, gender gap and data. And so I think that's a really important opportunity, um, at least in marketing and strategy when you rely so heavily on, on insights is how do you make sure that you're creating data, uh, that is speaking specifically to women. So, um, it's happening and it's slowly changing, uh, just not quick enough in the two industries I'm in.
1: Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Um, Similarly, in film photography, um, it's it's interesting kind of seeing change, uh, but also uh, having to lean into some of the uncomfortable conversations of how can we do better in these places. Um, You know, looking at what a set looked like over a decade ago when I first stepped on and now there's for sure market change. um, And it's really encouraging to be able to like hold a call sheet up with the names of the crew and just from there see uh, how much better that is. And and it's just required lots of intentionality. Um, it's required drawing lines in the sand. Um, it's required making, uh, yeah, resources so that we don't have excuses anymore. Um, and I think like within the context of conversations, I always say it's like so crucial that we're patient uh, because it's not a sprint we're going after. We're not looking for short-term change or hitting magic numbers. or trying to Uh, create long-term change where like available consideration pools um, have grown and people are developed and there's opportunity. Um, And so I'm very hopeful uh, as we continue seeing those changes. Um, But yeah, I've seen that within that growth requires a lot of um, intentionality and leaning into uncomfortable things uh, to make sure it's not just a desire, but actually an action.
0: Nice. Um, so I know change has been a a definite theme going forward. Um, and I know we talked about this a little bit before we started, but how has the pandemic affected your career? Um, was it good or bad? Did it make you more resilient? Um, and then has it caused you to prioritize more things or were there any lessons that you've learned, um, that you can apply post-pandemic?
2: Yeah, I would say like as a whole, like across the board, what I've heard is it was the first time you could see all the faces on Zoom. I think it was a huge slap in the face to see who your teammates were, like physically looking at you rather than sitting around a table. So I think um, over the past two years of just like understanding who your teammates were um, and increasing representation, like first and foremost. Um, I started a new job in the pandemic, which was kind of wild and crazy. I went from a huge, massive corporation where I was like a small fish in a big pond to pretty much a startup that I was the first female hire um, and the first non-partner hire. So really challenging space to kind of just be a part of, and we're fully remote. So never met my team in person uh, up until probably about six months ago. But I think I'm really lucky I work at a brand and a company that, you know, is puts the human in the center of everything that we do. And it is all about increasing longevity and human potential, not just through the lens of sport, but holistically. And I'm so thankful to be a part of people who continue challenge process and and projects. So uh, yeah.
3: I can go. Um, yeah, the pandemic has drastically changed what I was doing at the start of it. I was working at Acorns and now I'm community building in Web3. So. I think a lot of that is to say when, you know, when we were all kind of isolated in our homes, one of the things that I longed for the most was community, companionship, friendship, while we're like going through this like very hard thing. And I think I went back to my roots, like I was talking about earlier, of wanting to build communities and wanting to grow these networks and relationships of people who have the same interests. And it kind of led me back to that. And I stopped thinking about what I thought I wanted just to, make money or be liked by my peers and instead started to do the thing that brought me joy and brought other people joy and now is bringing so many people joy. And that's, it's so much better. And I, I feel so thankful because it let me like we were talking about again earlier, have my voice once again and to find that through the pandemic, which is something that we can all attest to was so incredibly hard and being able to find something so valuable in that and to build something so valuable from that was more important than any design title I could possibly have. And I needed to learn to be okay with that, and I did. And I'm still learning to be okay with that, to not be an art director, to not be a creative director, to not be a title and to just do what I do well. Um, And I think the pandemic has taught me that what is the most important thing you can be is yourself and give that back to people in any way that you possibly can, whether it's wearing a mask or volunteering your time or you know, bringing people together. I think that's, I I stopped thinking about the superficial. And so I learned that, I learned a lot from
1: it, yeah. And same vein, just lots of positive things, lots of negative things. Um, but for me, uh, being able to have like a huge impact on the work itself, if we narrow down on that, I remember um, one of our executive producers at Bindray Carter sharing with me very early on, um, how this pandemic would be sort of like this great equalizer for the industry, um, at least in film, um, because for this like that prolonged time during lockdown, we wouldn't be able to hide behind like big fancy equipment to tell stories. Um, and everyone was kind of put on the same level there. Uh when it came down to it, is like, is it a good story? Is the talent there? Um, and you kind of strip away all these layers um and you start to see all those things and and uh, let the work for speak for itself, or the story speak for itself. Um, and so just taught me to lean into that, um, and something I would love to continue uh, taking with me. It's to be able to ask, like, do we really need this extra thing? Like, what does it add to the work? Um, and be able to justify those. You know, a lot of those questions were really safety questions because we couldn't have a hundred people on set, and we had to kind of cut down on those things. But it's funny how that was a way to make the story stronger at the end of the day, uh, rather than a limitation using that as a strength. And, um, so, as we continue to build back towards what we had, you know having these elements and tools again, being really strategic as to why we're using them. Um, I think another big lesson for me is just like what does healthy collaboration look like? I think when you strip away having somebody look over your shoulder and give feedback and or be able to have those constant conversations, which are good things, um, it can sometimes turn into an unhealthy dependence rather than collaboration and uh, I think over the pandemic and having to be so intentional about. Setting up a call or uh, trying to make schedules work, you kind of have to sit and be like, "Is my work speaking for itself? Like, is it good?" Rather than having to wait for that feedback, build confidence, which is incredibly empowering as well. Um, so, yeah, definitely learning how to collaborate in a healthy way, to be able to value it, um, to not like fear it, and also uh, to be able to like let my own confidence speak when uh, when it comes down to the work, the work itself.
0: Nice. Um, Going off script a little bit, but I love the way that you guys are talking about your job. So I want to get deeper into that. Um, I know there was um, storytelling and nostalgia um, that you guys spoke about. So I wanted, um, I wanted to know how did um, nostalgia, how did change your story? I can't speak. Um, how did the pandemic affect um how storytelling worked? How did it affect um the way that Web threes? Do you see that um the content being created there? Um, so how did that affect you in your marketing and sports and directing and art?
3: I think for me, it was like <laughs> Web three started to remind me of Debian Art and it reminded me of my space and it reminded me like we were talking like just straight up nostalgia. And, and I was reading the artist's way earlier this year, right before I started um, getting into Web three. And one of the, the prompts that she has is like, do something that you would have done. Like think about a thing that you wanted to be as a child and do that. And part of that was like always curating and being around art. And that's what I started to do. And, uh, And so it kind of led me back to my passions where they lied. And I wasn't a designer for the money and I wasn't a designer for the title anymore. I was a designer for the art. I was like back where I like I was like a kid in the craft store being excited about using all of these creative mediums and seeing all these artists create things for 3D or photography, being able to showcase their art and harness that. And I think the nostalgia is that like I remember that we can create art for art. It doesn't have to necessarily be about money it doesn't necessarily have to be about a title we can just make art for art again and if we can make money off of that amazing but that's not why people in web 3 are doing it like we're really here because we care about bringing back the passion to the scene and i think it all lies in how we were as kids you know as creatives Um, and it's kind of like hitting that nerve and we're getting excited so I think in terms of that, yeah, like, I think nostalgia is the reason why we're here. And you can see that in the pixel art. We're going back to like old school Nintendo days, like 8-bit character styles and like really cool stuff that we have. Or like, like Galverse that I mentioned earlier is like, it's harping on 80s and 90s manga and anime. Like, we're going back to where we came from when we were kids. And like, the fact that this is cool again, the fact that we can like, make this a thing and connect with one another and make money and, and also like serve good, like another NFT project, Woody's, they just planted over a million trees and they're an NFT project. So it's, it's really cool to see how we're not only, you know, coming back to our roots, but quite t- honestly that too, and and just putting good towards the world when this entire Ukraine thing started to come to light all of the artists that I knew just band together and made some of the biggest projects and sold as much as they could and donated everything to Ukraine and that's incredible so it's not only just for the art it's for the greater good and we're all looking out for each other so I think the nostalgia is like we're not judging anybody anymore in the web3 space we're all here for the right things usually
0: I can't talk for everybody I can talk for the people that I know so Kristen, how did the pandemic affect um, the content being created in marketing and sports marketing?
2: Yeah, I mean, in my current role, uh, we do a lot of in-person events. We work with top-tier athletes, um, creating training programs, like holistic training programs for people like Elliot Kipchoge or like Felix Baumgartner. Um, And we couldn't train with them one-on-one. Uh, We couldn't be in facilities with them, yes, from a physical perspective, but from a storytelling perspective, everything moved to Zoom. Um, And they're just like, there isn't, it it loses the magic. You don't get to capture and be in person to tell those really unique stories, capture the magical moments um, where they break through. Uh, So that really shifted and you know, my whole company doesn't have a PNL. We are not trying to sell you anything. Essentially, we are here to democratize learnings and insights through science and practitioner. And so, not being able to have the practitioner piece to go along with the science piece really, I guess, put a barrier on how we tell stories. We 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 essentially have stopped. Um, now that it has started, production has kind of begun again, but we've kind of shifted the way that we approach uh democratizing these insights so instead of you know doing a six-part documentary series um on netflix maybe we're kind of turning to google scholar and relying a little bit heavier on the on the science um and insights piece so um i'm eager to get back on set or out in the field however you call it to like start capturing more of those human stories nice
0: and then uh what about you christine
2: yeah i mean it's, it's really interesting
1: film photo at the end of the day you need a camera pointing at something um, at least in production right it's a it's a in-person uh, job and it requires lots of people to do well um, in, in most or many cases at least um, in the type of work that I'm used to be doing used to do um, and so there is an aspect of developing and uh, figuring things out over Zoom, or even maybe having a director on Zoom, or like a VP on Zoom, things like that. But at the end of the day, a camera needs to be set up and needs to be pointed at something or to shoot something. We need things in front of the camera. Um, and so it's really hard to do fully uh, remote, uh, which means that we had to lean into uh, post-production only kind of uh, approaches like animation or uh, using, yeah, using existing assets, and things like that, but at a certain point it ran out, right? So um, just really challenged us to do a lot with very little, um, and for me, and, and this is not every for everybody, but I just really enjoy going back to my roots of like being very hands-on. Um, I was like raised; by parents who were both creative, and so I learned to use my hand. I taught to use my hands to do things, and it was just really fun. You know, beginning of the uh, pandemic, figuring out how to rig things myself, or how to uh, light something, or how do we get just five people in a room, and like how can we make them do multiple jobs and have them be really excited to do it? Like how do we empower small teams to? Um, do things, but also not to get ahead of ourselves and doing too much, right? Kind of go back to what I said before, like really challenges us to look down and go like, what is most necessary here to make something great? Um, So definitely thankful for how the pandemic challenged a lot of what we did and how we did it prior to.
0: Yes, Um, so we have two minutes left. So I wanna close it out with a hearty thank you. I had a great time speaking with all of you. You guys have done and are doing such amazing things. um, And I can't wait to see what you guys do next. So thank you so, so much for joining us for our panel and happy Women's History Month for everyone.
3: Thanks for listening in. Be sure to check out more on d1a.com forward slash perspectives and sign up for our bi weekly newsletter to get the latest trends and insights directly to your mailbox.